Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo. Uh, we're here every week to talk to you about what's going on in real estate. Uh, this Sunday is no different. You can also catch us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, you name it. We're on it at the Duncan Duo. Always putting out relevant real estate information, answering your questions. And uh, letting you know what's going on in Tampa real estate. So open houses, Mike. People, it's so funny because people have a, a misconception about what open houses are. And and so, you know, kind of in my 18 years in the real estate business, um, you know, you've kind of seen the purpose of an open house change. And and so a lot of sellers that have sold homes before think of the open house as, you know, a place that might generate the buyer. And in reality, while that sometimes can happen, um, it can generate the buyer, and people do like to go to them. Um, with today's day and age of technology, you know, you don't really see that many people show up to the open house and buy the house. The open house is really more of a lead generation tool for real estate agents and sure. for mortgage lenders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see that a lot out there, and it, but, you know, I think it still gives somewhat buyers maybe an idea if they're starting to test, test the water to get out there a little bit. But yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know if there's statistics out there. Maybe you have them of how many homes sell from a buyer walking into an open house. Because you're right, technology's changed all of that, where you can almost do an open house without. Yeah, la- we, we did so many virtual during the pandemic. Exactly. Right? Last I saw, it was less than five percent. Yeah. So it's it's um so so nonetheless. Open houses. A lot of sellers want them. A lot of sellers don't. But but I want to kind of explain what it what their purpose is. The purpose, realistically, to me, is for the neighbors to kind of see what the competition is. Sure. To see what's selling. To see what their what the home looks like. It's for curious home buyers. It's you know for the you know kind of lottery ticket chance that the buyer shows up at the open house. But in reality, they have a real estate agent. They're going to look at all the photos online, and they're they're not going to go look at it in person without an agent. And they're not going to do that unless they're actually strongly interested in the house. Because of what's happened with the pandemic and technology, um, homes get so much fewer showings today than they did 5, 10, and 15 years ago because people use technology and drive-bys and all these different methods to screen and reduce the number of homes, especially with gas prices, right? Who wants right. to drive yeah, all over creation? Yeah, right. You know, so, so open houses aren't as appealing as they used to be. So here's a trend that I'm going to predict. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about this last week with another agent and during the, you know, the boom, which I think we all know we're, we're past the boom is it is slowed a little bit. We're not seeing as many bidding wars. We're not seeing as many sales. We're not seeing as many buyers. Does that mean it's depressing or prices are dropping or we're in a, or in a crash? No, not even close. Right. It just is slow. And it's slowed down a little bit from where it was earlier in the summer and spring. So. But what's going to end up happening is because open houses realistically are, are generally done more to generate leads for the broker that has the listing or to appease the seller because the seller has this mythological belief that the open house is going to work for them, probably because they've sold other homes and open houses worked back in 1984, but, they, but they're not as effective today. You just don't get as many people at them. So what's going to end up happening during the boom of real estate, open houses would get a lot of people. Because everything was hot and people would show up to the open house in hopes that they could, you know, maybe get the house before it went to someone else. And, you know, so the market was hot and it delivered a lot of activity. 
Um, so you could do an open house for an hour or two and probably get a decent amount of activity, pick up some buyers, appease your client, appease your buyer agent, you know, all those things, right? Well, now that the market has changed a little bit, there's some sellers, especially sellers that have had an open house be successful for them before, back when real estate was a bazillion times different, they're going to be used to and still want an open house. But the problem is if you do them for an hour or two, you're not going to get anybody. So I think we're going to start to see open houses get longer. We're going to go back to seeing when I first got into business, if you didn't open house, it was four hours. Yeah, right. I was, it was, you were doing it from 12 to four, yep. nine to one, five right. to nine. You were doing a four hour open like house. Standard. You were getting there 30 minutes before to put out signs, take it. I mean, realistically, you, need, you had a five or six hour commitment to do an open house, right? And so that shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk over time because, um, you know, you just found more ways to get people there. And, you know, the market has been so hot that they were able to shrink it because you'd still get enough people there to sell or be like, oh, we got four people to our open house in 19 minutes, you know. So the seller would be happy you got four people in and the agent that did the open house would be happy because they got some clients. Well, now the, the numbers have changed. People are being more picky. There's not as many bidding wars. There's not as much you know, pent up demand for that inventory. So the open houses aren't going to get as much attendance. So what you're going to see is to make the seller happy and for the agent to get a win out of it, open houses are going to get longer. You know, it's just, it's inevitable. You're going to have longer open house. So agents, I'm sorry to predict this for you, but your Saturdays and Sundays, when you used to be able to just say, you know, I'm going to bump out to this open house for 90 minutes or two hours and still enjoy the rest of my weekend, your weekend's done. Yeah, it's going to spread out some more work. You're going to be doing doing a little bit more work for that open house to get people. But it is, you know, it can be effective. It can be effective because real estate agents can meet the neighbors. Uh, They can find out who else may be looking to buy in the area. Uh, they can find who else is looking to sell in the area. And again, for a seller, is there a chance that the home sells at the open house? Of course, there's a chance. But there's risks associated with open houses too. You don't have any control over who shows up. Sure. Um, and I think the last few years we've seen uh, real estate agent attacks, robberies, homes being cased. Um, you know, when when you have an organized show and you have a system to verify that person's licensure, the brokerage they're with, and and you can expect that the other agent isn't wasting their time, they're going through a process to right. do that with their buyer. When you do an open house, anybody can show. Yeah. And and you're you're basically, you know, if you're a if you're a uh, security conscious person, um, or you have very expensive belongings, an open house can be risky. Um, because you you legitimately are opening your house up to anyone and everyone with no process or security check to make sure that they're legitimate or that they can qualify, um, you know. But again, it can generate leads. It can um, it can generate the sale, um, but it can also generate you know your stuff missing from the closet. So just keep that in mind. There there are great things about an open house, and then there are terrible things. There are a risk about open houses. But I will I will predict that because of the market changes, they're going to get longer. Agents are going to have to do them longer to appease the seller because the seller doesn't want to hear no one showed up to their open house. Right. You know, if you do a two-hour open house and nobody shows, that's not going to appease the seller. If you do a six-hour open house, you say, oh, we got a couple people through. To them, that's a, that's probably a victory. To the real estate agent, that's six hours of a lot of waste. You know. Yeah, so. and I think I'm already starting to see it because you're right. It, the standard went from four hours long ago down to I, I felt like it was two hours. You I mean, know, I even saw some an hour, 90 minutes, yeah, you know, and, like, and, and so it, it was tough because you would have to go, you know, I mean, in that little window, if people wanted to get there and, but it was still so many people, there were so many buyers out there, it would be super busy. And so I definitely see it stretching. So out. some things to prep for an open house on the seller's behalf, you just want the house clean. Yes. You need to have your house clean. Just like if you're showing the house, it needs to be clean. 
Um, you need to, you know, be prepared. It needs to smell nice. You need to, you know, get rid of the pets. The kids need to be cleaning up their room. No one needs to be home. The last thing the seller needs to do is be there for the open house. Right. They they don't understand how creepy it is to follow people around from room to room and point things out. It's creepy. <laughs> right. It's creepy. Yeah. People, if you're a seller, okay, and you're too uncomfortable and you're going to follow people around, just don't do an open house. Just, just don't, just don't do one because you're, you're killing the emotional vibe. You're not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you want the people to fall in love with the house. It's like the parents that follow the kids room to room when they're trying to fall in love. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, right. it doesn't work. Yes. It's creepy. So, um, so those are things you need to prepare for an open house. Uh, open house, a lot of times are, you're looking at weekends and evenings. You need to be at times when people aren't as busy at work. So you have a greater chance of people going and attending. Yep. Um, there's also such things as a broker's open house. Right. Um, now, this is something that um, is much more likely as you cr- climb the price charts. Correct. Yep. In Tampa luxury Bay, market. Yeah, the luxury market is more likely to see a broker's open because there are homes that have such unique features uh, and, and, and things that video and photo can't always show the value proposition of the house. And it's it's just real estate in the higher end is just sold differently than in than in a two or three hundred thousand dollar house because you're dealing with a more unique rare thing. If you're selling a house in a you know a regular track builder neighborhood, it's probably like seventeen other houses in the neighborhood. Right. If you're selling a an estate on Bayshore, there's no other property on Bayshore that's like that one because they're all different. Yep. So so the differences that that property has need to be opened up and seen by the brokers that work that market in those price ranges. So brokers opens a little bit different because then you're not just inviting in the public; you're inviting in brokers only. Um, however. A lot of times I've seen the public get into those brokers opens. I've seen people show up and no one really knows. It's not like there's someone there checking your real estate license at the door. So, but it is something that um, allows, um, you know, a, a kind of it. And it's an exclusive thing that is marketed only to the brokerage community. Um, but it's it's meant to educate buyers on the listing. And, and again, it's it's more predominantly done in, you know, higher end and luxury homes. You And we're starting to see even you know, the, the, the advent of pocket listings and not really the advent it's, they've been around forever, but you're starting to see more of them in luxury where they don't even want anyone coming into their house unless they're legit and qualified. And they know their house is so unique right. that they don't need to market it exclusively. They know that someone will buy it without even having to market it because of its value and uniqueness. So, you know, the, the luxury real estate sometimes offers a completely different perspective where a, a track builder home, it's going to be opened up to everybody. The luxury home may be like, you know what, we're for sale and we're going to put the word out to a few brokers, but we're not letting just any, you know, we're not, we're not opening this up to the public. We're not putting a sign in the yard. We're not signing with anyone. Find us a buyer and we're, our property is so unique and amazing that we don't have to do that, that there's going to be a buyer for it. You know? So it's, again, it's just a different marketing, um, you know, marketing tactic. But um, if you're a um, prospective home buyer, and you're thinking about touring, um, you know, open houses. One thing a lot of people don't grasp, a lot of times the agent holding the open house is not the listing agent. Right. Yes. It, it, they're not. Either it's an agent at the listing company's firm, um, you know, or it could be com- someone completely different. It could be someone from a completely different agency that that agent wants it held open or the buyer agent wants to do opens and the listing agent says yes. So so do, as a buyer walking into that property, do not assume 
that the person sitting in there is the listing agent. They may or may not be. They may know just as little about that house as you do. They're just there to try and pick up buyers. Yeah, for for sure. That's a great point. You're right. And, and a lot of them do that because back to your original point, they're doing it to generate leads and new buyers and everything else. So a buyer's agent may actually hold an open house for a listing agent in order to gain more um, buyers to come in and get leads. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we're going to continue this conversation about the local real estate market. What we're going to talk about next is 10 major red flags when you're buying a house. And this can apply to when you're walking through these open houses yes, too. Okay, for so, sure. So these are some major flags. Uh, make sure to catch on the other side. We're going to talk about major red flags when buying a house after a quick break here on WFLA. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show, and we're going to talk about major red flags when buying a house. Um, and and I've seen a lot of these. Uh, and it's funny, you know, through the years, having seen all of these and kind of knowing what they cover and, and, and that, but... First one is too much scent. Yes. So, um, candle in every room, right? Candle in every room, <laughs> air fresh in every room. That could be one of a few things. One, it could be people smoked, right? You know, it could be that you're going to have to spend some time, energy, money cleaning out the vents and the AC filters and the coils to get the smoke smell out and the carpets and the walls and all of that. Yep. Um, it could be uh, pets, right? Um, and then the worst one, it could be mold. Yes. You know, there could be mold mildew somewhere and they're trying to mask one. the smell. Yep. Yeah, the, the mold can be the dangerous one. Yeah, it's it, it's funny that the last house I bought had pet smell when it was in there, and we didn't realize in our showings because it was a wide open, you know, they had the doors open, and we, so you just didn't smell it that was in there. But then when we got in there, it, you, you could smell the pet smell, and we had to work on, you know, re remediating it to get it out of there. So Yeah, no doubt about it. Another one is poor tiling. Look, if somebody hired, you know, a, a bad tile company, and they may have also just tiled over other tile. Sure. They may not have done it properly. It could right. just be a Band-Aid. And, and so if it's crooked, if it's bad, that's a sign that there's probably some other inferior work. Foundation issues. Look, there are a lot of things with real estate that can be easily repaired. Um, you know, you got a bad AC, it can get replaced. You have a roof leak, it can get patched. You, you know, you have, you need new appliances, you get new appliances. There's some holes in the wall, you can patch them. Foundation issues are one of the hardest things to, to resolve. Yeah. And sometimes it's difficult. And this is why we always recommend getting a home inspection because, you know, even the article mentions, you know, all homes may have a hairline crack. Of you may have some settling. That's not a big deal. Correct. And to, to us, the naked eye of the consumer, you may think it is or it isn't when you go out there. And that's why you need to get an, you know an inspector out there to take a look at it because what you may think is nothing could be something and vice versa. You might think it's something and it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, you've got um, you know, you you've got to pay attention to the difference between normal right. wear and tear. Yes. And then and then problems. So like you said, uh, homes in Florida, homes on the water, homes that get a little bit more settlement than normal are going to have some some thin, right. some thin cracks. It's it's that's normal. OK, yes. now, depending on how wide that crack is, then it's a it's a different issue. So and those those hairline cracks can be in the house. They can be on the stucco of the house. They could be in the drywall. You know, you've just got it yeah, again. thin. OK. Yeah. The wider they are, the bigger a uh, concern it needs to be. But we're Florida. We settle. You right. know, it's sand. Yeah. You know, know. your house is built <laughs> on sand. sand we're, right. we're a great big island. You yes. know, so um, signs of deferred maintenance. You know, if they're not taking care of the AC filters, if they're not keeping up with clean, if there's things that are rusted, if, um, you know, it's just a sign that there are other problems going on, right? If someone isn't maintaining the home, then, then there are other issues. Um, nearby water. 
look, this can be a flood issue. It can be a bug issue. Right. You need to pay attention to not just like water that you have a water view, but a lake a couple blocks away it could be a mosquito, you know, cesspool. It could be an alligator issue. I mean, there, again, you got to pay attention to and understand the risk associated with being close to water. And we have so much low-lying land in Florida, too. The amount of flash flooding that we have here, you know, there's areas of St. Pete, there's areas of South Tampa, whatever, that tend to flood when a lot of rain comes in, and it's worse in some areas than other areas. And knowing those things and what it could do is it's important to look out for. Um, bad windows. You know, like windows are a big deal for insurance or a big deal on your uh, electric bills. Um, if it, if a house has got like old jealousy windows and I mean, there's just a lot of problems. The older the window, the bigger problem you have and the less, uh, you know, less strength and durability it has from sound and wind, uh, mold. I mentioned this on the smell, right? Look for signs of mold, you know, the colors, know what it looks like, you know, and, and, um, you know, if you see mold somewhere, anywhere, it's a problem. Yeah, you know, it's got it's a problem. And there's it's usually a lot more hidden. If you see it somewhere, if you see it, it's usually there's a lot more behind it, behind Correct. the walls and everything else. And Correct. living in such such a humid, you know, we live in a humid place. There's a lot of moisture and a lot of mold that happens if you don't yep. take care of it. Water damage. Yep. Stains in the ceiling. You know, again, if you see the stains, there's probably others that have been fixed and covered up. So right. um, if they if they've put their house on the market and they've not fixed those <laughs> that before they put it on the market, that's a problem. Right. You know. So you know. Uh, water damage uh, can can lead to mold. It can lead to more you finding more water damage or an existence of a problem that's causing the water damage. So so that's something to pay attention to. Cosmetic enhancements. Uh, sometimes you're going to find um, you know cosmetic enhancements that are meant to cover up a problem. Right. You know um, they're you know new freshly painted wall or things like that where the purpose is to try and um, you know keep the uh, buyer. From not catching that something is off. Some of the things we already talked right. about, the mold, yep. water stains, things like that. Improper ventilation. Uh, this is you know condensation on windows, bubbling or peeling around windows, doors or vents. Um, you know, rooms that don't cool as well or heat as well as other rooms. We don't really have the heating issue too much here, but but you know, other than it just being 97 every day. <laughs> um, but you know there there are issues with ventilation when it comes to how big a room is, how many AC vents it has, you know those types of things. So, um, so again, those are things and red flags to pay attention to. Um, you know if you're if you're looking to buy a house, another uh, major red flag to look at: um, compare property disclosures from prior listings and with what's on permit, what's been permitted, what's not been yes. permitted. Because a lot of times, if someone isn't honest with you. And you can verify that they've not been honest on something, then there's probably other things they're not being honest about. So we're going to continue this conversation after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market uh, here on WFLA News. And you've probably, if you've been paying attention to the real estate market, you've probably heard of the hedge fund companies that, that buy houses. Yes, you know? the iBuyers. And so the iBuyers. And one of the major iBuyers this week took a major, major hit from uh, the FTC, yes. I think it was a sixty-two million, $62 million fine. dollar fine. Um, and and so, you know, I think what I want to say about this is that sometimes if something's too good to be true, uh, it, it might just be. Yes. And so they were they were fined, and their stock has been crushed. And there's a lot of obstacles with companies that want to come in and try and change things. And and there were some pretty 
aggressive promises they were making in their advertising that the FTC has turned around and said, you know, no-go zone, basically. Right, called them you deceptive practices. Yeah, and and so when tracked and looked at from a statistical perspective, people were netting a lot less money right. on the iBuyer path. Um, and so, and, and so basically, um, you know, in a nutshell, I think what's important to understand about this is that um, there's a diff- There's always going to be a difference between convenience and price. Okay. If someone's offering you maximum convenience, there's going to be a loss in value. Okay. And I believe their ads attempted to make it feel that that wasn't the case. So I, I buy houses too. I buy and flip homes. I buy homes that need work, but I'm very clear with people. We can sell traditionally and go this path, and it's right. going to take you a little while to get your money. You might have to jump through a few hoops. You might have to get let someone get a mortgage. You might have to make a few repairs, or you can take my cash offer and go this path, and you know we're transparent about it. Okay, I think that um, I'm not, however, trying to tell people if I'm going to buy your house, you're going to make the most money from it. Yes, you know it's it's a convenience thing, and and so I think that they're. Um, you know, their their advertising tried to make it um, appeal to people that, um, you know, I think Open Doors advertising tried to make people think that you're going to net the most money and get the most right. money. Right. They were giving the, them the both the convenience and the highest price. And, right. you know, we're going to – and listen, there's a lot of companies out there, disruptors that have come out that have done really good things and everything else. But back to your original point, it's almost if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, and you know these guys got caught, and they're going to have to change their the way they're doing business, and that's good for the entire industry. You I gotta agree, do so it too. Fair and honest. I agree. I mean, again, there's nothing that can replace a, a fiduciary that is looking to get the most money for your home. Look, if Open Door still wants to buy it, let them make an offer. But the right. reality is, is we want to see if there's someone that'll pay more and get you better terms. And again, the the I buyer offer or the offer for the cash offer for me is still there, but it's just a matter of can we get you more money? And and I got to tell you, there there are. Thousands and thousands and thousands of home sellers that have given away billions in equity that they could have gotten more money for on the traditional market. And and I just hope that this at least puts a dent or a thought into people's mind to not go that path because you are going to not get as much money. And and frankly, it's not as convenient as you think. You're paying for those repairs. They're inspecting the house. They're they're charging you fees. You know, don't think that you're getting a cash offer and you don't have to pay for it. You you're still paying much more in a lot of instances than typical commission. And and on top of that, they're still either making you make repairs or making you take money off the price. You're not really, it, it's not all it's cracked up to be, truthfully. And I've put my own houses through there sometimes just to see. And when I do the math, I'm always just like, that's stupid, why would I do that? <laughs> right, like, yes. why would anyone do that? But they're obviously gobs and gobs of people. And I think the, the, this, the, the other thing is, is, I mean, if you've noticed with some of these kind of, these companies that um, aren't profitable, right, and are trying to push the envelope and change the industry, um, the, the, Wall Street has has noticed, and their stocks have been, you know, pretty crushed. But the other side of it is, you can only ex- they they can only bleed cash for so long, you know, right. and and so eventually, I think some of these companies are going to end up you know, not making it uh, and, and folding, selling off assets, something, because how much longer can they lose money, pay out fines, have to change the tactic that has got them business. Now there's less business to get and they have to be less aggressive about getting it. So the writing is on the wall. You know, I see some of my friends posting financials on Facebook that are really savvy, you know, financial people. And, you know, it, I think the writing is on the wall for some of these disruptors 
that they're not going to be around in you know a year or two. Yeah, and they come in. I and mean, I don't this, know if that's the case. I'm not saying that's the case with them specifically, but just with a lot of the disruptors. Right, and a, a lot of these companies in and the in the Wall Street hedge funds and the big companies behind it, they come in while it's hot and they take advantage of a, a marketplace while it's there. And then as soon as it changes or it starts to shift, then they just pull out, right? And there's no, they're not ingrained in the community and everything else like a local real estate agent or brokerage. Yeah, and and I think that um, again. It's the difference between let them still buy your house with a real estate agent, um, you know, let let them bring you an offer, but see if you can get better. Sure. And your fees are not any better selling to them. And it, when when you net it all out, it's it's not better. Right. Okay. I promise. I've I've gotten the offers. We've competed with them. You know, it, it's not. You know. So so again, um, I think that um, it, it's a it's a you know it's an opportunity for. Um, the right people. Um, there are situations where we've partnered with them and the iBuyers, where we've had a client where it makes sense for that client. Okay. But we want to represent the client from a full, you know, 360 degree angle and figure out what the right path for them is. Sometimes the house is such a unique house or the iBuyer may pay more for that neighborhood. You know, our goal is to work with everybody. Okay. However, um, I think that uh, some of the pros and cons of some of the i buying opportunities haven't trickled through correctly to the consumer so the consumer is kind of you know going in blind uh you know sometimes and not quite understanding the pros and cons the fee structure compared to a traditional real estate deal and what they that they could still get that offer with the traditional real estate agent so um and and frankly maybe beat it or get cash better terms you know, by by being on the market, but by selling direct to someone without competition, you lose negotiating leverage. And unfortunately, in a lot of those situations, the I buyer ends up winning the deal and winning a better deal because they know they don't have competition with anyone else. So if you want the best price and the best terms, even the same terms that you're getting by going directly to them, I believe you're still better off listing with the traditional real estate agent, allowing that agent to get everybody to compete for you. Um, so, um, and I'll tell you, I, I think there's no secret, uh, and I'll predict this. Uh, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. The i buying companies are going to drop their percentage buys. In other words, they're going to pay less than market value because of what's going on right now. There are still consumers that will pay full market value. They're going to be more aggressive on price because they're going to have to be. Um, so, so that's something to keep in mind even more. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on uh, WFLA News. And if you missed our first couple segments, we talked about home buying um, red flags initially, and then we talked about all the open house fun stuff. Yes. But you know, and and so <laughs> when we aren't on air, you can follow us on our socials, and maybe get some of that, um, you know, some of that information uh, at the Duncan Duo Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, TikTok. And so, you know, we also just got done talking about, you know, iBuyers and the, um, you know, open door, uh, massive fine uh, by the FTC, FTC. And, and some of the, I think some of the challenges that's presenting for their business and the iBuying business overall, just, just because of the, the shifts in the real estate market. It's interesting too, though. I always, I always, I always, I've been, this is my 18th year. When the market gets hot, you always see disruptors, right. you see um, business models that offer uh, promises of really low commissions, um, and and all of these things because they want to make up for it. it. You know they can they can still make money on fees because prices are higher. Um, but as soon as the market starts to shift, those always disappear. 
Um, so um, I, I think you're going to see some of those disruptors, again, disappear. Well, one of the things I've seen, and I've seen a lot of this on social media and everything else, and I'm on the mortgage side, but I've seen a lot of this on real estate is in agents talking about this, is that builders you know, got when it was super hot, weren't oh, yeah. offering anything. We're right? not giving you anything. You bring us a buyer, we'll give you a, we'll give you a gift card to <laughs> yeah. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you want a commission? Here's a commission. Here's a tip for you. Don't <laughs> yeah. pee in the wind. You right? know, like, yeah. And now so. you're seeing the opposite. I'm seeing all the different memes and funny jokes that they're putting out there, but builders are starting to offer incentives that go out. And so it's one of that thing, if you're in the industry, it does shift. And as markets shift and everything else, it, it, you know, the, the rules of the game do change a little bit. Um, it, it's going to be there. But I, th I think that's one of those things that um, you know that you're seeing out yeah, there right no, now. And, yeah, builders, no question about it. Again, also enormous companies, uh, you know, huge publicly traded companies. Yes, um, some of their stocks have been have been roughed up. Uh, but but interestingly, like you said, they go from you know we're not going to pay agents anything to please, right. please, yeah, bring me, we'll bring yeah. you anything, we'll Paying give you bonus for this we'll give you stock, or, we'll yeah. give you you know <laughs> we'll give you bonuses. We're begging on our knees, you know. So I, uh, I you know what's interesting though, and I think there are some builders. That it, and look, it ebbs and flows. When the market's hot, cobrokes go down. Yep. Okay. It's the reality of it. Okay. Uh, but it's a matter of how much they go down. But then when the market slows, they go back up again and the agent becomes more important. But I, I think there are some builders who people aren't going to forget. Uh, who 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 went really down on that number? Now they're trying to win agents back, and I think it's going to be really hard. But at the end of the day, you know what speaks money? Money yeah, talks, right? You know, if they raise those cobrokes up to you know above everyone else, then realtors are going to love them again. So we'll see what ends up happening. But nonetheless, uh, that that's pretty much where things are. Um, before we run to our break, I want to um, I want to just quick two minute bit here on school districts. People don't realize how much school districts matter with real estate. Whether you're whether you have kids or not, if you're buying and you're buying and you've narrowed it between two houses and they're close, go with the one with the better school district. Resale, it impacts resale. There's people that want to stay in that school district, um, you know. But they change, right? They change. So you're not in that school district forever. Don't don't assume that it's there forever. Same thing with. I mean, you know, voting, I mean, all voting zones change, flood zones change, okay? When you buy into a school district, a flood district, anything like that, you bought into it, and that's what it's zoned for now. They matter, but they're not permanent. And they're more likely to change in an area that's booming, that's growing. So if you're moving into maybe a new build, into a new neighborhood where there's lots of new build going around in the neighborhood and everything else, that's the area where you may see some of that. I experienced that when I used to live in Wesley Chapel, and they kept rezoning. And every time it got rezoned, everybody, you know— you either like it or you don't, depending on where you find on those boundary lines. But in areas that are growing a lot is where you're more likely to see school zones change. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and so, but again, they're not permanent. They're basically planning on them being there until the end of that calendar year, yes, and then the next right. year it may yeah. get zoned something different. But but again, the school districts do really really sure. matter. I know that in South Tampa, for example, we've had the Plant High District that's been talked about getting changed forever. And there's always been this political pressure, and there were times where it almost changed. I don't think it's been changed, but if so, it's been very minor. But nonetheless, school districts matter, but they're not permanent. So we're going to be back. We're going to talk about flood zones and flood insurance. Um, interesting things about that going on after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So back here on the Duncan Duo Show, we get this question a lot. You know, what flood zone is the house in? Okay. And so the reason people ask that question is because they want to know if they're going to have to pay flood insurance. But truthfully, you and I both know that the flood zone is almost irrelevant for the flood insurance. People think that the flood zone listed 
um, you know, by the city, by the county, by the government is some sort of indicator. And it's maybe a little bit more likely, but it, it doesn't really have much of an impact on flood insurance. It's the act, it's the house's actual elevation. Right. Is yes. pretty much all that they factor in. And and so I wouldn't say all, but but most of what they factor in for flood insurance is based on the house's actual elevation. And so, you know, I think it's the craziest thing ever that that's how they value. That's how they determine flood insurance, because you can see historically areas that flood more than others, streets that flood more than others. Neighborhood. Uh, I mean, yes. Even if the the elevation is high, but there's water nearby or there's bad irrig- bad draining or whatever. Um, it, it baffles me that that's how we determine flood insurance is simply by the elevation of the house. But that's the way it's determined. So there are times when a house is in an A flood zone but doesn't have any flood insurance because it's built up higher or because the garage is the whole first floor or because of this or because of that. So, so you know, people asking flood zone, realistically what you should be asking is, can I have a copy of the elevation certificate? And what's the what's the right. base? You yeah. know, what's the elevation of the house? And there are so, there are certain flood zones that if you are in them, that you are required by FEMA to have yes, flood insurance. Correct. You don't have a choice if you're correct. getting financing, Un- unless the house is built up, right? Yeah, unless it, the garage is the first floor, right, then you, you don't have to have it because you know you or it's on pilings or so. So again, it's it's it, it is somewhat relevant. It's somewhat relevant, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not set in stone. So it's really the elevation of the house more than anything else. And a lot of people think that, oh, well, we're talking about only properties on the water, on on the golf, on the bay, anything else. Sometimes houses near rivers, streams, lakes can be a lot Near Del Mabry that can't drain for (laughs) the life of it. Now they fixed that. They did fix that. But (laughs) for a long time, Del Mabry, they couldn't figure out how to get that thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, the amount of rain that we get in some of these summer storms, it comes so quickly in the flash flooding that we have. And we yeah. a drainage issue in Florida in right. general, right? Right. I mean, the amount of rain that comes. So don't think this is only just for people living right on on the water yeah. somewhere else. It's, it's well, and, and a lot of times other Realistically, um, you know, they, they've done studies on this. And, and so, uh, which is why I still don't understand why flood insurance is based only on elevation. But it is. It's, it's predominantly elevation. So that's what you got to worry about. The flood zone isn't matter as much as the elevation does because there's no tier. It's not like, oh, if you're an A, you pay this much. If you're an AE, you pay this much. If you're, you know, there's no tier that sh- it's, it's based on elevation. But here's the thing that I think is interesting. A lot of times people think the homes on the water are the ones that are going to pay flood insurance. When it rains, the homes on the water are actually better drained. Because the water from the rain yes. goes into right, the water. The water right. Okay, you have an actual place for the water to drain to instead of sitting in the house or sitting around the house. The water just flows down because the water is going to be below the land. Yes. So the so when it rains, houses on the water are actually generally better. Where the houses on the water have flood risk is is storms, right? Hurricanes, bad bad storms that push the tides, water up right. in, yep. you know, tides. Yeah. But for regular just rain and thunderstorms, homes on the water are less likely to flood than homes not on the water because yes. there's a place for the water to go. But again, your flood insurance is not what you think it is if you're if you're trying to say it's based on your zone. It's it's really the elevation of the house, and um, you know, it, it's something this time of year that's a, a common topic. Um, because of the number of s- named storms, although we really haven't 
Man, knock on knock, wood. Knock on wood. We've, I we've, not, got, wood in here we've not got much it's at all. Been, it's yeah, been nice. So been, uh, dry, um, we've so. got a little bit longer left. You know, we got some time left. But but realistically, so far, we haven't seen a whole lot. Right. Yeah. Thank goodness. And we've hopefully it stays rain. that way. But we are coming into peak season. I just read something this week. You know, I think it's August 15th, October 15th is the peak season yep. where a majority of the storms come. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to say it's stay dry. No, and it's no going to I mean, we're obviously we're always going to get rain. But but right. but again. Um, flood insurance, get it. Even if it's not required, you just never know. That big one comes through. New, people in New Orleans lost billions of dollars, and they could have paid a couple hundred bucks a year for flood insurance in some of those properties, and and you know gotten out of a lot of financial you know ruin. So, um, you know, flood insurance covers more than you think. Too, a lot of times your house could have a drainage issue or a pipe bust, sure. and. You know, so it's not just rain or a storm. There's other things that can cause flood. There could be something that happens from your neighbor's property or, you know, again, a variety of things. So I think, uh, you know, even when it's not required, um, a lot of times it makes sense, uh, you know, to buy it for people to, you know, to insulate and ensure their most the most valuable thing that uh, that they're going to buy. So um, but, yeah, that season is upon us. And again, a lot of what will happen with insurance in the next couple of years depends on each storm season because right. that's where the insurance carriers take the biggest portion of their losses yep is during that season so the lighter it is you know the less likely you're going to see carriers you know raising and leaving and having you know financial problems um the rougher it is the more likely you're going to see um challenges with insurance prices rising dramatically and you know all these things because it's going to drain insurance company reserves yeah and so. it's always a topic in our area and i know there's been a lot of you know a lot of controversy this year of people you know pulling out or non sending non-renewals and everything yeah. else and citizens you know the state-run insurance has been you know overrun in a lot of ways that yep. you know requiring the the insurance yep no doubt about it well, we appreciate you tuning in and we hope you have an awesome run rest of your sunday tampa bay again when we aren't on air make sure to follow us at the duncan duo and have a great rest of your weekend.